0: Welcome to the Truth in SR. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I have the privilege of being deep, deep, deep in Texas. I'm in Austin, Texas for an interview, uh, the first of a series of interviews that are taking place um, on location. I'm here with a professional tour guide, historian, manager of visitor services at uh, Visit Austin, formerly known as the uh, Austin Convention and uh, Visitors Bureau. Please welcome Harrison Epright. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you, Rob. Thank you for for making the time and facilitating this. I know it's been months out. We we were talking back in maybe April, and now wow. we're here. Yes. So we're doing it. Um. So. I, I want to start off because, obviously, you can spin a yarn. You, you, you know a lot. I was like, look, I'm getting the information right now. I'm feeling great. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and um, is there an early experience that influenced you to be in this kind of historian
1: sort of space? Well, yes. Thank you, Rob. Well, I am a native Austinite. In fact, I grew up in East Austin, historically an African American part of the city. I went to school I in East Austin and grew up in East Austin uh, know a lot about the, the 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 stories of East Austin but not only the stories of East Austin but about the stories of the entire city uh, I'm glad to say that as a tour guide one of my jobs is a tour guide is that uh, I have I, I have to know information about all parts of the city and I've come to appreciate how all ethnicities make up the history, make up the, 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 the flavor of Austin and have contributed to the history of Austin to the point to where I look upon history as being not just what happened in the past, but history is also now and history is the future. And I also try to, um, I want people to realize that that they are founding members of any community where they happen to hang their hat, be it Austin, be it Houston, be it where wherever they're from, or wherever they plan to go, or if they plan to be here in Austin, that they are founding members of said said city or town or nation.
0: Yeah. Thank Thank you. So so for so for you being a uh... A native here it, you're, it's an investment for you being kind of that, that bridging person as well of like this is how things were yeah. this is how there are and being aware of it so how does it felt? how does it feel to kind of be a go-to person because in my conversations your mm-hmm. name has come up a lot like mm-hmm. you got to talk to Harrison why have not you talked to Harrison mm-hmm. are you talking to Harrison so how does that feel to be in that spot as a a person that like Curry's on like some of the history
1: and some of those stories it feels great i'm living a life that i maybe dreamt of living when i was growing up i never expected it to turn out as it has and being a native austinite who has seen so many changes in this city uh, both good and bad changes and so much history in this city uh, it's been and somebody who loves history naturally, uh, especially through my, my late father. My father and I love to talk about history. Uh, it, it feels great. Uh, I decided that I would I would listen to the stories. I would remember stories. I would also reconnect with 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 with, with parts of Austin or aspects of Austin and aspects of my life yeah. that, frankly, I forgot about. <laughs> so this uh, has been a wonderful coming home experience. For me,
0: that's that's one of the really cool things about um, that I've learned in doing this particular project, like the the more macro version of the truth in this art, where you know I'm a ba- I'm a Baltimorean, born and bred, and like there's just stuff that I don't know or didn't know, like the connective tissue that oh, this is why we do this, yes, and it's really cool to find that stuff out, and I kind of see that coming from you. Um, so for me, I, I think that uncovering things and finding out these little factoids that's something that's very in my personality what do you say about your work and i know that there's that father connection you mentioned but what does the work that you're doing and being here to visit austin and being in this historian space and being in this tour,
1: the tour guide space what does that reveal about your personality well i've discovered that i can be very spontaneous that I have to find the answer, if not, immediately I have to get back with somebody. Uh, the, one of the neat things about this particular job that I'm in, especially when I'm working in the Austin Visitor Center, is that maybe 40% of the information that I will have disseminated in, in any particular day is information that I had to learn on the spot. <laughs> thank, goodness for, thank goodness for computers because uh, so that I can look things up immediately from various sources. Uh, back in the old days, I say old days, <laughs> but back in the days before the internet, or b- before Wikipedia, <laughs> uh, I remember that, that that we kept files yeah. of information, and we went back to the files uh, and 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 looked and sometimes spent minutes looking for information. But now, thanks to the computer, we can look it up immediately. Yeah. And I've learned now to where I can take key words that a person has uh, has uttered, and and then and then that would say hmm. I'll, I'll go with that. It makes it makes me have to sometimes when I'm talking to somebody and I'm asking this person to give me more information, I'm asking that person to clarify yeah. so that I can I can be 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 more precise about the information that I'm looking up. And, and that's a that's a great trait, because I finally like
0: a lot of times when people are going to a, a, a spot, like. Especially if they're a visitor or something along those lines. I worked at the ballpark in Baltimore for a long time, um, through, through undergrad and. It- you know, you would see people coming there asking frequently asked questions. How do you get to this hot dog stand? Where's the beer? And say, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas when I called you as a rando from Baltimore, I'm like, yeah, I got some questions and you yeah. took the time, you <laughs> indulged me. <laughs> so, you know, that's definitely a thing. And 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 I see that there's an infectious thing about like, oh, you're interested in Austin? Well <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm part of the welcome wagon. Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Excellent. So w- what so, from your experience in, in, in giving like tours and, and being a historian, what are some of the hallmarks that you aim to put out there, or you look for when you're in the in the position of being a the, um, the receiver of a tour? Mm-hmm. What do you look for uh, in a remarkable tour? What makes a tour remarkable for you?
1: To me, what makes a tour remarkable is to try to draw people in to this experience that I'm trying to give them Uh, uh, have them I want them to kind of walk literally and figuratively walk with me when I'm talking to them about history or I'm showing them a a, a landmark I want them to feel the passion about this about this this thing this subject that I have Um, I do I do want to gauge the crowd as well And, and if, 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 if I see that they're not particularly interested or they're just there because they have to be there, I, I, I try to, I try to make a joke. I try to, to, um, uh, just find out something about them by, 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 by looking at them or, you know, catching their eye contact or lack of eye contact. Somehow draw them, wake them up. Yeah. And, and and bring them into this conversation that I'm trying to have with the person or with the groups of people so so engagement is big yes that, and i I agree with that um
0: I've ha- I've not been well usually I just go and do my own thing um but when there is a guide situation and it's very rare it's one that sticks out it was in New Orleans and I remember it was a I think a person that worked in like burlesque but they happened to be in the you know that area and i just remember she was just saying all of the like kind of off-color things you shouldn't say and i was like this is a great tour this is yeah. amazing and like what four years later i still remember that tour almost to a tee yes because it was like informational it was interesting it was engaging and um and it was just really funny that Later that night, um, I'm taking an Uber back and I'm trying to tell the driver where I'm at. And they're like, are you sure you're on that street? And. I remember something that the tour guide said, I was like, well, if you look down, you can see the name of the street in the sidewalk, and that's what I said to the driver. Yes. I was like, well, yes. I know I'm on this street because I'm reading it out, yes. of, out of the sidewalk. Yes. And I was like, oh, this actually worked, I learned something and applied it. <laughs> <laughs> so that's. I think that's a hallmark right there. Um, could, you, could you share, because you touched on this a little bit earlier maybe some of the biggest shifts that you've noticed, let's say over the last five years, Now, granted we have COVID in the middle of that, mm-hmm. and I would imagine businesses closing, and mm-hmm. you know, certain cultural facets are, have shifted, have changed. Yes, but, exactly. But what would you say some of the biggest shifts are that have changed, and in that, what is, regardless of the changes that have happened here in, in Austin, what would you say something about Austin that just, you don't see it changing? You won't see it changing?
1: I'm glad to say that with all that is going on in this city, all that has gone on with this city, uh, COVID, uh, the fact that the city is growing by leaps and bounds, mm-hmm. now one of the, um, you know, definitely one of the major cities in the United States now. Um, I'm glad to say that people are still relatively friendly in this city. For a city of this size, people will still say hi to you. This is true. They don't know you from Adam, and yet they'll say hi to you. They'll make contact with you. I like that. Or they'll compliment something you're wearing. So,
0: what will you attribute to the size, the size change, like, because, because I've, you know, the
1: industry is, it's an interesting industry down right. here. Like, yeah. I think tech is big down here, right? Tech is real big down here, and we're still the seat of government, mm-hmm. so we have a lot of, you know, of course, state government, but city and county government as well. So that's still a major employer. Education, yeah, uh, the University of Texas, uh, Saint Edward's University, Houston Tilley University, and HBCU, yeah. The of the East Side, <laughs> that's right. The Austin Community College System, Concordia University, yeah. yes. So education is is a thing. Tech is a thing,
0: awesome. and I, I see I see the growth. Of the hospitality industry, yeah, yes. And um, so I, I think that that's like the the that hallmark that you touched on of um, well that that trait that you don't see changing that you touched on there people are still courteous. People will still yeah. speak with you. That's something that I feel is a Southern trait, right? Mm-hmm. Is Austin a Southern city? Because I
1: know that that's, that's a thing. It's, it's, it's controversial. It, very controversial. I'll say this. I mean, it's so interesting. I mean, Texas, Texas is a contradiction. I mean, even though, unfortunately, Texas voted to secede and join the Confederacy and we had Jim Crow, we had Jim Crow horribly here uh, in in Texas. And I remember, I remember uh, experiencing Jim Crow as a little boy because I was born in 1955. Oh, wow. That's right. So I remember seeing it right here in Austin. And yet this was still considered one of the, you know, one of the better cities to live in if you were, if you were. an Mm -hmm. african-american Texas when you go up to north Texas, especially to the Texas panhandle, to me you're in the lower midwest, Mm -hmm. the southern midwest if you will when you're out in El Paso out uh, El Paso far west Texas you're midway to Los Angeles you are closer to five other capitals than you are to your own state capital here and in El Paso you are in for all intents and purposes you're in the southwest yeah out there in El Paso here in you go to East Texas and geographically, you are in the South, and you can tell that you're in the South by by customs and the way people speak there. Yeah. But then you have South Texas, you have San Antonio you have you have this charm of this old uh, uh, city that was once t- one time a a, a Spanish city yeah. sp- found about the Spaniards later a Mexican city you go to the Rio Grande Valley a whole different uh, feel down in the Rio Grande Valley yeah. here the the Mexican population down there uh, it's so funny that when I was a little boy back in the 1960s and Lyndon Johnson was in the White House, Texas did not want to associate itself with the South. Huh. And even the, the advertising yeah. uh, on, on television. Uh, and even and even and even as a as a child, we were taught we we're Southwest. <laughs> we're this, we're part of the Southwest. Yeah. You know, yeah, we're Texans first. But we're part of the Southwest. Texas
0: feels like it's his, its it's own place. Like even you just de- yeah. describe the regionality of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like it's multiple regions. Yeah, because because the size of it, Texas is huge. But yeah. it's like it's different places. Like, like, I was, I think I was chatting with you earlier. I have a brother that lives here. Yeah. So he lives, uh, he lives here now in Waco. But when I first met him, like you know, eleven years ago. We had to fly into Lubbock, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm in Lubbock, and you know, between Lubbock and um, Clovis, New Mexico." Yes, and I was like, "This is just New Mexico. Uh-huh. <laughs> I yes. was like, there's no difference yes. here." Yes, yes, because <laughs> I had been to like Dallas. Um, I've been to Dallas mostly. Yeah, Dallas is fascinating. Yes,
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> Dallas, Big D. Yeah, uh. <laughs> yeah, Big D, exactly. So we used to think of that as the when I was a boy, we thought of Big D as the New York of the Southwest. Oh really? See again we said of the Southwest. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say South.
0: <laughs> so so what would be the one of the South then from your in your opinion? Probably Atlanta. That's fair. Yeah, that's, probably that's fair. Atlanta. Yeah. And now, and I and Atlanta doesn't have that. That identity thing? No. Now, it's funny that, like, I think Texas is emboldened, right? And we're all of these. Yes. But we're Texas. Yes. Whereas in in in, in Maryland, mostly Baltimore. So, I think there's comparisons between Atlanta and Baltimore in that Atlanta is kind of like its own thing within Georgia. Baltimore's Baltimore is kind of its own thing within Maryland, right? Yes. And... They, they don't match. They conflict all the time. And I think sometimes Baltimore runs into that, that crisis. So we need
1: a little bit of that Texas kind of like, this is what it is. Yes. We don't care. This is what this is. Yes. Yes. And it's so funny that I think back to when I was uh, uh, in, in elementary school yeah. in first grade and learning the Pledge of Allegiance for the first time. And I thought of my... I, It was only then, maybe, that I began to think of myself as being an American. Yeah, I was an Austinite, and I was a Texan. Yeah, (laughs) and so, so I had to learn in elementary school how to become how to be an American, if if you will. And identity is a huge thing,
0: right? Especially as as a as a black person. Yes, because it's like which bucket do. And like, because I know we're in multiple buckets, right? Yes, exactly. But, but it's like, which one are we picking first? Yes. And and that's at least in my, my belief. I think the one that sticks out first—that's the one that we relate to the most. Yes. And I think like. I'm going to go probably black man first yes. and then the other ones fall in. Mm-hmm. And then any other thing that I ascribe to, that's, that's, that's secondary. Mm-hmm. But I look at being a black man or even black as the first word is like, mm-hmm. that's what I identify with. And that's the way that this, this, this country and this world's kind of like framed me out. Exactly. And there are other people who may choose something first. Like, um, I'm, I'm a Republican or I'm a, I'm a gay black man or whatever mm-hmm. the thing is. It's like, is that the thing that you're most closely identifying with? Mm-hmm
1: well black i found in my experience black trumps everything Uh, this is true Uh, uh, yeah can't rub it off (laughs) yeah exactly you can't you can't so i learned at a very early age i was black or as we said back in those days a negro or colored yeah you know i mean i lived in east austin yeah for instance that was the designated designated negro district Mm -hmm. so we lived in a segregated it was a racially segregated part of the city so,
0: so, how has East Austin changed since with the, and I think we were touching on a little bit earlier, some of the demographics here in yes, Austin, yes. where, you know, it's about, at least, at least
1: from the numbers that I saw in the U.S. Census Bureau, was like 8% black? Yes, exactly. Exactly. I mean, I do remember when we were a much smaller city. When we had like two hundred fifty thousand people. Yeah. So being much smaller, less area to cover, we had a a, a, a larger black population percentage wise sure. than we do now. Um and and that 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 changed through a number of factors, the city growing, uh, racial integration becoming a reality. So yeah. uh, so blacks no longer had to live in a certain part of town. They could live in other parts of the city or there were more opportunities not only to live in other parts of the city, but, of course, more economic opportunities. Okay. So you could get out. You can get out of Austin and move elsewhere. Got it. Yeah. Whether you stayed in Texas or not. Yeah, I that's right. It. And certainly and certainly with the with the increased economic opportunities, I mean, whether you whatever, whatever your whatever your your status in life was, well, then you did you no longer were confined, necessarily confined to living in East Austin. And we do forget that there were there were still blacks in South Austin as well, (laughs) as well as the black community of Clarksville out in West Austin, one of the original Freedmen's communities, yes.
0: One of the things that I always take a lot of humor out of when you go to an area and you're like Hmm. I wonder what's going to happen here one of these mm-hmm. gentrification grade buildings mm-hmm. are coming <laughs> yes and uh, we, we have them in Baltimore and I remember when uh, just different things that were going on let's say Freddie Gray and, and all the fallout related uh-huh. to that um, uh, just the news reports and they're destroying their own buildings and I uh-huh. can't believe this I was like my dad was like my dad's like the same age you are and he was like those buildings have been destroyed since Martin Luther King was assassinated, so... Yeah, exactly. And then you see the rebrand that happens. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, let's call it something else, something yes. that's very convenient. This is... Yeah. It's, it's a South Park joke, but this yes. is Soda Sopa. It's like... Yeah. Like, like south of what? Because uh, yeah. you're, you're calling it the acronym. It's a joke. It, exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like it's like now uh, when we talk about East Austin, now the, the clever marketing scheme is Central East Austin. They, they're they doing this thing in Baltimore because I've heard it at the airport
0: because so I've been there a lot the last few, mm-hmm. few days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the Baltimore-DC corridor. Yes. It's like, D.C. has its own two airports. <laughs> this is the Baltimore-Washington or the Thurgood Marshall Airport. Yes. So why is the mayor, you know, I mean, sorry, the governor... Over the PA system, you know, doing this, you know, pre-recorded thing, you know, welcome to the Baltimore, DC. I was like, this is not DC. No, no. Like, can we have our own identity? Mm -hmm. And you don't see that in other places. Like Austin is Austin. Dallas is Dallas. Houston is Houston. Yes. And it's like, this is how you go to a place, you know that you're at a place Mm -hmm. and it's represented in its people, its culture, its branding, its marketing. Yes. So, you know, um, so I want to I want to switch gears a little bit. I got a couple of questions. Um, the first one I want to ask you: uh, Tell me a, a little about a little about one of your first like the first memories that pops in your head when you think of Austin. Like if you're you're leaving and let's say you're traveling, to someone's lake, "So you're from Austin? Tell me about that." Mm-hmm. And you have that one memory that pops up for you. Which one is it?
1: Okay, I remember. Well, certainly I remember. Okay, uh, when East Sixth Street was two ways and not one way and i'm talking about east 6th street west of i-35 between i-35 and congress avenue okay um seeing the driscoll hotel for the first time uh this massive this massive building that had these three carved heads on it and 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 stone carved heads of longhorns and dragons, and I just wanted to know what was inside that building. I wouldn't know what's inside, yes, inside that building. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it, it, it's the Yolas Hotel here in Austin. I'll tell you a little story about that yeah. too. Now, I was very fascinated by television when I was a little boy. Yeah. Extremely fascinated by TV, and the only television station in Austin had its studios. Once had its studios, in the Driscoll Hotel. Wow. KDBC TV Channel 7. Nice. Which, as it turns out, was owned by, well, first Lady Bird Johnson and later <laughs> the, the Johnsons. But especially Lady Bird. Yeah. She was the businesswoman. She was the one that, that helped put LBJ on the map. That makes sense. That's yeah. right. Lady Bird Johnson. She had the money. Lyndon married in the money. <laughs> Lyndon was ambitious. Yeah. And, and, and they, they, they truly love one another. And she saw something in him and he saw something in her. But 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 he she had the money. Yeah. So uh, she bought she bought the, the radio station that became first KDBC radio and then Johnson after Johnson became a a a powerful uh senator yeah. uh in the, the early nineteen fifties. Well he won his Senate election in forty eight and and nineteen fifty two um KDBC television signed on the air. Well Let's say Lyndon, Lyndon played a hand in <laughs> in getting um in getting uh, a a television station, KDBC Channel Seven here in Austin, Texas. I and and that was and which started out like I said, that was a radio station originally. Mm-hmm. So uh, the radio station and and Lady Bird Johnson bought it. Mm-hmm. And and Lady Bird um through Lyndon's help. Got the radio station a CBS radio affiliate affiliation. Yeah. So then TV came along later. So fifty-two, <clears throat> the TV station. It was primarily a CBS affiliate, yeah. though they carried programming from. Then you had four commercial networks: CBS, NBC, ABC, and Dumont. Dumont's no longer around. uh Yes. <laughs> uh, but anyway, okay. Well, okay. What fascinated me was that the TV station was in that studio. I mean, the TV station was in that, in that, in that, in that hotel. Yeah. And that really fascinated me. I always wanted to go and see what the TV station was like inside. I mean, it, it had dragons and longhorns yeah, defending yeah, it. Yeah, so, I exactly, mean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was, and then years later, I mean, I mean, back in the day, back in the fifties, of course, if, if you were black, Uh, You could only go to the Driscoll Hotel if you worked there or you made deliveries. It wasn't until the sixties that the hotel uh, integrated. So, and I did not get to go inside the hotel for the first time until I was in high school back in 1972. And this was after the hotel had been saved from demolition. The hotel uh, was, was facing the threat of demolition yeah. in 69, 69, 70, 71, 72. And concerned Austinites got involved. Oh, by the way, the asking price for the hotel was $1 million. If you could pay $1 million, you could save the hotel from demolition. That was a lot of money in yeah. 69, $1 million. Yeah. Well, anyway, there was uh, this organization started called the Driscoll uh, Hotel corporation and they sold stock mm-hmm. in order to raise money to save the hotel sure. <clears throat> shares were $10 a share they raised about $750,000 not enough to make that $1 million mark but it 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 brought time for the hotel, yeah. and so the and so the Driscolls' reputation spread, and Lady Bird Johnson was in, was was in was uh, in, enlisted in order to save the hotel. Got it. Yeah, yeah. And the hotel was saved from demolition. That's great. So she played a part in that. That hotel figured prominently in in the lives of Lyndon and Lady Bird Johnson as well. You know, I remember this in 1964, again, how this hotel made an impression on me. In 1964, it was the um, uh, the presidential election of 64, in which Lyndon Johnson ran against Barry Goldwater. Well, the I don't know Republican. who won that one. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. and, and Lyndon Johnson was duly elected 36th president of the United States. and. and and the family stayed at the Driscoll Hotel that night. And I understand that they addressed the crowd of people uh, in the lobby as well as down on the street below oh, wow. and and it so impressed this little nine-year-old boy <laughs> that the eyes and ears of the world were on our little city <laughs> yeah. of Austin, Texas. Yes, yeah, so the, the
0: hotel with the dragons in the lobby. That's <laughs> correct.
1: That's correct. So that that building <clears throat> and I guess the University of Texas tower mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't get to see until I uh, became a teenager. I didn't get to go inside until I became a teenager. and. I also, the Texas State Capitol building, seeing the Christmas tree in the in the in the hotel in, in the in the Capitol rotunda yeah. when you're four years old, when everything, of course, is, is exactly <laughs> so. This rotunda was like, uh, like the Hall of the Mountain Kings yeah. from 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 from, from Gant, uh, and so the, the, that. Those, those things really left an impression on me. And there were some other buildings too. That's that's great. Yeah. That's great. Um, so in that same sort of vein, and I
0: got like two more after this, uh, what would you say to someone who has never visited Austin? Um, so that's that's point one. And the other part to this question is, where did like three must see attractions here? if They're coming oh. for like a,
1: like a weekend, like
0: oh. like maybe you're a your noted podcast yes. host here. <laughs> mm-hmm, yes.
1: OK. Certainly, since we are the capital of the state, see the state capitol building, people may say, oh, well it's, it's a capital, so what B, so what? Okay, our capital just happens to be the largest of the 50 state capitals in the <laughs> United States. Uh, Texas. second so- Exactly. <laughs> at a time when we were a horse and buggy uh, uh, state, we're mm-hmm. talking, completed 1889 originally. We were horse and buggy then. and here we are. We had the lo- we had, at the time, and we still do, the largest state capital in the United States. You're selling a ticket. I'm gonna to have to visit it. That, that's right. <laughs> and 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 even though the national capital is larger than our Capitol building, our dome is 14 to 16 feet taller. I feel like I feel like it was it was like let's look at the measurements. Yeah, eh, ours is bigger now. Exactly, Get out of here. <laughs> exactly, exactly, and and so certainly see the state capitol building, and not just the outside, but go inside the capitol as well. Sure. And I like to tell people about some things that, that they probably would not that they would overlook if they visited the capitol. So I like to tell them some things about the inside of the capitol building, yeah. like the Barbara Jordan uh, portrait. In the Senate uh, gallery, the Barbara Jordan portrait. Barbara Jordan was the in fact you flew into the Barbara Jordan terminal <laughs> of Austin-Bergstrom International Airport. She was not from Austin, but this is where she, you know, this is where she made her reputation. First as a Texas State Senator, the first, the first black uh, senator in the Texas uh legislature since uh Mr. Gaines back in 1883 mm-hmm. the first black person elected to the legislature in the 20th century from in Texas yeah uh so and then and she taught at the LBJ School of Public Affairs after she retired from politics yeah uh, and so made her home here in Austin so check that out Something else to check out here the was well, just so many things the Ladybird Johnston Wildflower Center, mm-hmm. uh, 200 and some acres of flowers. Uh, is something beautiful to see at all times of the year, whether it's wildflower season or not. Let's see something else to check out. Uh, of course, a lot of people like to go to Barton Springs Pool, where the temperature was 68 degrees Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah, it's cold going in, but when it's 100 degrees outside, it feels great. Because
0: it is 100 degrees yes, or so outside? Exactly. It really
1: is, even as we speak, yes other things three most important things to see that is just so difficult but certainly the state capitol building uh well check out the driscoll hotel if you'd like to um check out uh the Texas State Cemetery. Okay. Uh the Arlington Cemetery of Texas. Yeah. Just uh east of I-35. Check that out as well. Many notable Texans are buried over there, including Barbara Jordan, including the um the at the time of his death, the oldest um World War 2 soldier. Yeah. Uh, in America who was a black man Richard Overton who lived here in Austin, Texas. I'm working on a little story about Richard Overton. Nice. Uh, check, out the, check out the LBJ Presidential Library and Museum the most visited presidential library and museum in the United States. You're giving, you're giving, you're giving us the itinerary now. I, yes, like, it. I yes, like it. Yes, I am. Yes, I <laughs> am. Uh, check out the Harry Ransom Center. Uh, as you can see, I'm big in the museums. I, I, awesome. I, I, I hear yeah. it. I mean, it's
0: because it's, um, that's where that, um what I, at least what I'm hearing, that's where that knowledge is at. It's just like, I'm in these museums, I'm reading these books. I mean,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and we have some great, We have some great museums and cultural centers right here in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, check out the uh, Mount Bunnell. Oh, of course, go to Mount Bunnell. Hmm. Uh, Austin's about 786 feet above sea level. Oh. But Mount Bunnell is is one of our highest points in the city. You ascend 106 steps to the summit of Mount Bunnell overlooking Lake Austin, wow. the beginnings of the Texas Hill Country. Oh. A great place to go for sunsets. A wonderful place to go for sunrises as well that's that's amazing that's yeah.
0: it's like a full day you just kind of given us i, I yes. love it i love it so in that um and i think i got the other things I, I wanted answered so that's good um so now i guess it's time for some rapid fire questions okay good all right here's the first one uh what was your nickname when you were younger?
1: Did you have a nickname? That's a good question. <laughs> I had I had two nicknames when I was younger. My father uh because of his because of his uh being raised out in the uh East Travis County where both my parents were from uh and working he was a, a cowboy uh on a on a ranch in East Travis County, he called me Partner. <laughs> I he like called it. called me partner. I like it. Uh, but I, I I love being called partner, but also, too, I love identifying with this precocious cartoon character named Augie Doggie. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I took that name as my nickname, Augie. I like it. I like oh, that's it. right. It that works. Yeah, Augie Doggie, and Augie Doggie was always um, um, he was inquisitive and he was trying to invent little things, uh. and and he was a cartoon character on the TV show Quick Draw McGraw. Well, and so, I feel like
0: Partner may have been set on that show.
1: <laughs> uh-huh, yes. So that was the nickname I gave myself, and my father called me Partner.
0: I, I, I like it. I mean. Yeah. I all I got was Junior. That's the that, things yeah. are bad in my family. It's like all right, Junior. It's like that's no work was done. That, <laughs> no, no thought was put into that one. Uh, so next one I got for you: um, favorite ice cream flavor. Favorite ice cream flavor.
1: Wow. I guess Bluebell used to have a pumpkin pie ice cream. Mm. I had this thing for I love pumpkin pie. Sweet potato pies I like better now. But I, they had this pumpkin pie ice cream that they introduced when I was in elementary school. Yeah. And they, and, 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 and they, they marketed it only at Christmas and Thanksgiving. So I love that. Love it at But I guess, uh, favorite. Okay. Cherries. I love any ice cream with cherries in it. Okay. Or any ice cream with peanut butter in it. Okay. You got me with peanut butter. I'm good with peanut butter. I'm allergic to cherries. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry about that. More for you, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, hey, I'll sometimes take peanut butter and put it in my vanilla ice cream that's, or put it in my chocolate ice cream. That's ingenuity right there. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. So this is the last one I got for you. Um, and you touched on this earlier, so you know I added this recently. Yeah. Describe your fashion sense in three words. It could be three random words, doesn't have to be a sentence or anything. Innovative. Uh huh.
1: Innovative. Stylish. Um, I look at what other people are wearing, I look at skin tones, I look at the way nature puts colors together. Yeah. And so I use that. I also look at old advertisements, mm-hmm. uh, the fact that I sold clothing for about 10 years. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, I-, I love to mix styles, combine styles from different periods. I'll even go back to the Old West. Yeah. I'll even go back even to maybe in some cases, maybe even the 1700s in looking at certain colors. I dig it. I like a little bit of steampunk, like in the glasses. Yeah, it works well with with with, with western mm-hmm. steampunk. But I don't I don't go I don't go I don't go strictly steampunk. No. I don't go all the way western. It has to be something that like you
0: would notice and like yeah. you get it at, like because I've seen a few pictures. and I was like, that is a steampunk hat. Here, yeah, right? uh-huh. exactly. <laughs> I, I've noticed this like mm-hmm. when you know you know.
1: Yes, exactly. But but I, I love I get I guess we could just say. Uh, my, my fashion sense, uh, innovative, uh, daring, um, uh, uniquely Harrison. <laughs> uniquely
0: Harrison. That's well, what I, I to love to hear. So that's pretty much it. Um, I want to, one, thank you for coming on to this podcast yeah. and spending a yarn for us, giving us a walk through the history and your story, your background, oh. and two, um, you know, the floor is yours to um, share anything you feel like we missed in here real briefly oh, and yeah. to um,
1: and tell the fine folks where to, to check you out. Okay, then. You know what? I'll tell you this. Even though we're only now 8% of the population as uh, African-Americans, I, there is a renaissance going on. I have told people this. There is a renaissance uh, going on with, with, with black artists. In this city, with, 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 uh, among, and it, it involves black artists, it involves community leaders, uh, of all kinds, uh, Houston Tillerson University, which is actually older than the University of Texas, this HBCU. Sure. A lot of things are going on over there on that. And even though, because of gentrification, and I, I have mixed feelings about that word gentrification, and mixed, Feelings about gentrification anyway. Um, I like that. And, and a lot of people will say, well, there are no, there aren't, there's nothing, there's nothing to see in East Austin that's black related. Wrong. There is a lot over there that is hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Houston Tillison University, uh, uh, the um, a number of, of buildings that were designed by black architects. Oh, go to the George Washington Carver Museum and Cultural Center so the over there. Very good, Donna Carter, a black. Architect, black female architect who's still practicing. She designed that building. Wow! Check out the building, and that is an art museum, the George Washington Carver. I do volunteer work over there. Check out the little George Washington Carver uh, Museum and Genealogy Center over there. That little is a—it's a, it's a small um, American, I think, uh, colonial Federalist um, uh, building covered in brick now that originally was the first permanent home of the Austin Public Library Uh, and the Austin Public Library's first permanent home was downtown at the northeast corner of West Of West 9th and Guadalupe. Nice. Uh, And what happened it was a wooden structure. Mm Well 1933 at the southwest corner of West 9th and Guadalupe a larger a new larger public library was built. The building is still standing today Italian style. Today it's the Austin History Center but originally it was the new public library. One little problem though Blacks could not use it. Well uh, blacks could not check books out of there. That's so not great. <laughs> you had this little wooden exactly. Jim Crow makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, so this you had this wooden this wooden building that was the public library where black citizens of Austin, especially those who lived in the newly created Negro district, well then they petitioned the city to have a library built over in East Austin. So the city working with the I think it was the uh, um, uh, association of uh, American Association of University Women they they got that old library building move from the northwest corner of West Ninth and Guadalupe, over to its present location on Angelina Street. Gotcha. They christened it. They rechristened it the Colored Branch of the Austin Public Library, not knowing that they were actually creating the first branch library in the city. <laughs> then, about 1945 this wooden structure was was was, was covered with brick yeah. and it was renamed the George Washington Carver uh, 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 branch of the Austin Public Library. Gotcha. George Washington Carver being a household name known by both blacks and whites. Yeah. So that was the George Washington Carver branch of the Austin Public Library. Of course branch libraries grew also there were more branch libraries added in East Austin as well as throughout the city. A much larger library was needed for that particular area. So then the larger George Washington Carver branch of the public library was built next door, opened in 1979. By the way, look at the mural on the side of it too. Okay. The mural on the side. So then that little that little brick building uh, resurfaced as the George Washington Carver Museum. It was the first yeah. neighborhood african-american museum in texas when it opened in 1980 well i saw many programs there and even helped the 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 library director or the museum director put on a show or put together assemble yeah. uh, an exhibit yeah. okay lots of programs there but a much larger facility was needed so then the The much larger George Washington Carver Museum and Cultural Center opened uh, just right behind it. Uh, Like I said, designed by Donna Carter. That opened about 2004, 2005 or so. So what happened to that little brick building? It was vacant for a number of years. Finally, in 2016, it reopened as the George Washington Carver um, uh, cultural and Genealogy Center. Got it. That's right. That little building is in the National Register of Historic Places. That's great. What, what, and what, 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 what people aren't aware of that there were so many cultural assets over in East Austin, over in all, in all parts of the city. But East Austin has that building. We also have the, uh, two buildings on the campus of Houston Tillotson University, uh, that are in the National Register of Historic Places. They were designed, or they were built in part with black student labor yeah. at a time when black colleges there was they were up to two frames of thought about how to educate their students the there was there was the industrial education model mm-hmm. uh, as espoused by Booker T Washington or the liberal arts model as espoused by W.E.B. Du Bois and many other many other uh, uh, black leaders, especially educators, yeah. men and women who espouse the liberal arts. So um, Houston Tillotson Houston Tillotson was two different schools, Samuel Houston College and also Tillotson College, where they both had mixtures of industrial and liberal arts. Okay, yeah. And and, and those these two old buildings uh, were built in when when uh, on on the campus of what is uh, of what was originally Tillotson College but then when when the schools merged in 52 it became Houston Tillotson College and they moved to the Tillotson campus got it and now it's Houston Tillotson University but these two buildings are in the National Register and the people behind these buildings this this interesting even in the even in the age of Jim Crow this interesting intersection between black lives and white lives uh... that 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 have grown that have gone to make this city what it is today, what made it what it was then, for better or for worse, what's made it what it is today, for better or for worse. Things are cyclical. Yes, exactly. So I like I like to, and also go over to the Neil Cochran House Museum, which was uh, built by the the man who built the Governor's Mansion, Abner Cook. Well, anyway, the Neil Cochran House is recognizing its slave past, and so they have an exhibit. In fact, you can go and visit a slave quarter over there, and and this. Neil Cochran House Museum uh, is outside of what was at one time one of several Freedmen's communities in Austin, like uh, the Wheatville area. Okay, yeah. Yeah.
0: And um, for folks wanting to come down and um, check out the... uh, um Visit Austin. Um, just tell the fine folks where they can check Visit Austin out real quick. Okay, very good.
1: Yes, yeah. Visit Austin. Uh, I'm at the Austin Visitor Center. We're at 602 East Fourth Street in downtown Austin. We're open Monday through Saturday from nine until five, and Sunday from ten till five. I'm here usually Tuesday through Saturday. If I'm not here, somebody else will be glad to assist you. Uh, I do have an email address. It's h. Epright at visitaustin.org that's h e p as in peter p as in paul r-i-g-h-t at visitaustin.org i have been i have been employed with the austin visitor center and specifically with visit austin for 29 years Uh,
0: so, so there you have it, folks. Um, I want to, again, thank Harrison Epright for coming on to the podcast. Yeah. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art and culture in and around where you're from. You just got to look for it. The Truth In Us Art Beyond is produced with the generous support from Raisin in the Sun, Black Art Matters ATX, and Six Square. Raisin in the Sun is an Austin-based nonprofit organization whose work focuses on cultivating resilience through art and environmental initiatives. Find more out about their mission at raisininthesun.org. Black Art Matters ATX focuses on amplifying Black voices in Austin's cultural conversation by financially supporting new work from Black artists based in Austin. Learn more about their work at blackartmattersatx.org and Six Square. Their work focuses on preserving and celebrating the historical legacy of the African-American community that once thrived in Central East Austin. Learn more about their work at sixsquare.org. Thank you all for your generous support.